Hi, and welcome to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Ritma. This is a marketing podcast like you haven't heard before. It's about real connections and honest conversations. Why am I here? To remind you that you can fly. If you're brave enough to listen to that calling inside you, I'm here to serve you and show you that marketing can and should be honest, that the truth sells and authenticity wins. So how can businesses and brands build a real and authentic audience? The Authentic Audience Podcast gives you insight into growing your business and marketing strategies to gain real followers and loyal customers. Each week, I create a space of radical honesty for thought leaders and entrepreneurs who have built successful businesses to share their insights on business, marketing, relationships, life, and spirituality. Each episode is sure to remind you the power of storytelling and truth selling. Get ready to get real, get raw, get honest, and keep growing. Alexandra Carter is a director of the Mediation Clinic at Columbia Law School, where she is also an award-winning professor and a world-renowned negotiation trainer for the UN. She also serves as executive director of Stand Up Girls, helping tweens develop relationships for greater self-esteem and resilience. She has appeared on CBS This Morning, MSNBC's Live, Weekend and Hardball, Marketplace, and in the New York Times and Wall Street Journal. She's also the author of Ask for More, 10 Questions to Negotiate Anything. I'm so excited to have Alexandra on my podcast today uh, and also a little intimidated. So welcome. Thanks so much, Krista. And I'm going to I bet by the end of this, you're no longer going to be intimidated. We're going to talk about that at the end. Cool. All right. I mean, just seeing your credentials and, you know, as a woman in business, I always just, and I hate to say women in business. I hate that we still have to say that. I just want to be as a human in business. Um, But getting to interview somebody like you that does something so different than I do, but actually feels so aligned in so many ways um, is very cool. And I was sharing with you before, um, when my producer pitched you to me without reading very much, it was a very strong, intuitive yes that I wanted to speak with you. So thank you for being here. It's a weird time. (laughs) It is. It's a, it's a really strange time. You know, um, I've been feeling this state of suspense and anxiety for a while now, you know, and I, I think it's important to acknowledge it. You know, when we have these large events, like it's our election, and it's also the cumulative fatigue of the pandemic and this modern racial justice movement. And, you know, all of us as women in particular, you know, we are learning how to do our jobs in a totally new environment. We may be home with our partners and with kids or with elders in the home and everybody's trying to negotiate that. And so, you know, it's been a, it's been an interesting time to release a book. I have to admit that doing this work in a pandemic would not have been my first choice, <laughs> but, but I will say that I came to think maybe this is the time that the book was called to come out. It's not the most comfortable time for me, but it's been a time when I'm able to serve people. And that is a great place, Krista, to put my focus at a time when so much seems, you know, out of my control. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really 
beautiful and just the the serving people um is what's really saved me i think in this pandemic and in this time and especially this week so we're talking this will be released in a couple of weeks but this is friday of election week so we still do not know um the outcome and that's where we're sitting with so one it's really interesting to meet a stranger in this time um especially on the podcast and in this like professional way somebody that we haven't met and we're meeting for the first time during election week during the pandemic so obviously this is a really auspicious meeting i feel and hearing you say that about serving people um totally resonates with me and has really been my saving grace during this pandemic and also from a marketing standpoint i think releasing a book at this time aside from book tours is kind of awesome because people are reading so much I've read more in the last five months than probably in the last five years, which I'm ashamed to admit, but um, wow, I'm reading and in a deep way, in a self-growth way, in a learning way, in a out of my comfort zone kind of way. Um, so I don't know. What if, what if, what has your experience been like with the response to the book? Yeah. So the response has been overwhelming in a great way. I mean, if I could just, you know, tell this story, this is my, this is my first book. And I worked so hard to bring it into being, you know, it's like launching a book is, it, it almost feels like labor, you know, you're, mm -hmm. you're like working to bring the book into existence, but you're also working on birthing yourself as the author of that book, right? That's, that's the journey also that CEOs and entrepreneurs go through. You're launching your service, but you're also launching yourself. And I had this vision for how this year was going to go. It went completely differently. You know, March 2nd, I looked ahead at all of my book tour events and I thought, oh, this is going to be amazing. I'm traveling all over the country and the world. And then everything got canceled. And in fact, the day my book came out, I got a call that I wasn't expecting at all. I found out that my dad, who's already in hospice, had gotten COVID in his facility and they didn't expect him to live. And I remember thinking at that time, you know, I, I could handle the pandemic, but like this on top of it just feels like way too much. And in the end, like in that moment, I turned back to what I know how to teach and I applied that on myself just to get myself through every day. And in the end, the book did great. We made a bunch of bestseller lists and my father recovered from COVID. You know, it's been, so it's been an absolute wild year. It's been, I think, more anxiety and more tears than I've ever shed. And on the other hand, I do think that because of the pandemic, it created more opportunities to connect with people just differently the way we're doing now. But something like this kind of breaks us wide open. You know, I think it's it's not just, you know, the disruption to the routine. I think it forces us to reevaluate what we want our lives to look like. And so I'll just I'll end with this note. You know, I recorded the audiobook for Ask for More from a closet in my home. So the audiobook studio shut down and I started the audiobook by reading to my reader and letting them know that I was in my closet and that 
I was having to take breaks for my husband and daughter to trudge up and down the stairs and it was raining on the roof and all of this other stuff. But as I was doing it, that it seemed like a metaphor for this entire thing. You know, Ask for More is my book. And I know people think that's about money. By all means, I want to help you make more money. But it's about so much more than that. It's really about asking for the things that make life worth living. And so that's what I've really been leaning into this year. Wow. Um, I was just about to ask you your why and, and there it is. So I think that that's so beautiful and I can't wait to listen to the audiobook now hearing that. I think that I, I want to now hear it instead of, instead of read it. And I think that that's so cool when the author reads the audio version of the book, it's, I get so much more out of it. Stephen Pressfield does that. And I just could listen to him read his words all day. And so I'm super excited about that. And I think that's been, you know, we could talk about the pandemic and we could talk about this all day. And I really want to get into why you're here. But obviously, like you said, when we started is like, you can't ignore what's going on this week. It's, it's not business as usual. Many states are going back into safer at home. Like there's a major event that's happening, a major like global experience, um, that it, for me feels like we're closer together, you know, well, sans their election results and the major divide. Um, it feels collectively we're all experiencing really similar things, whether, you know, regardless of, of where we are, or what we do, um, we're recording our books and our closets. And that's like, something that everyone can resonate with. And when I talk about marketing and when I talk about business, that to me is what differentiates people and the people that inspire me is when I feel in resonance and when they get vulnerable so I can get vulnerable. And I think all of that just makes me want to read the book even more. So, I mean, having that experience, like such a polarizing day, your book comes out and you get this information about your dad. I mean, I'm so glad he's okay. And it's just, I mean, I've just, I've heard so many stories like that. And I think we're all having such a big experience and it's really cool to hear about other people's experiences because nobody, I would say nobody's like thriving, but everybody is having this like really transformative. I've transitioned my business in a huge way. I've had a lot of like self time to reflect. I was just speaking to a mentor, um, before we jumped on and she said, no, we don't take enough time to reflect. And I think that's what this has really given me. And once I've had time to reflect, I realized like changes needs need to be made. And a lot of them I think are really in alignment with your book. So, um, I want to talk more about this and what really drew me to you is, um, you're called the, like, I'm totally going to butcher it, but you're this like, um, amazing negotiator. And that's really cool. And not something we come across every day. And, um, if there's anything else you want to share about your why, like why it is you do what you do, um, I'd love you to elaborate, but then I want to dive into like what you do for a living and how, how, and all of that. Yes, I do want to dive into the why. And I want to go back to the beginning of this podcast where you said you looked at my bio and you got intimidated. Okay. And 
a lot of people look at my bio and they say, okay, this woman is an Ivy League law professor and she's a lawyer and she trains at the UN. She must have been born asking for more, right? She came out of the womb like, I am ready to negotiate. And I want your listeners to know that that's actually not the case. That for much of my younger adult life as a professional woman, I found it so much easier to negotiate for other people than I did for myself. I was an incredible mediator. I helped people negotiate better. I gave top level advice. If, if my department needed something, if my daughter needed something, if a colleague needed something, I was there and I got it. But when it came to claiming my own value, somehow I absorbed these messages that negotiation isn't nice or you know, negotiation is selfish, it leaves less for other people, until the day I negotiated my first salary, okay? So I negotiated my first salary a little bit later in my career, because early on I had these jobs at large companies where it was lockstep, you know, so you just joined, okay? So I walk in, Krista, in my power suit, and I get the offer, I'm really nervous, and the offer comes in a little above what I thought, and, and I didn't know what to do. So I had just enough on the ball to say, thanks so much. I'll get back to you. And I called a senior woman in my field and said, can I ask for some advice? I'm not sure what to do here. And she said, I'm going to tell you what to do, Alex. You're going to get back in there and you're going to ask for more. And I said, I'm going to ask for more. And she said, yes, because when you teach someone how to value you, you teach him how to value all of us. So if you're not going to go in there and negotiate for yourself, I want you to negotiate for the woman who's coming after you, do it for the sisterhood. And so that was the moment, like the light bulb, like brain exploding moment when I realized that negotiating for myself, standing in my worth was not selfish. It created more seats around the table for the people who were coming after me. And from that moment, I knew that part of my mission had to be teaching other women to see negotiation in this way. Mm. That when you do this, when you stand in your worth and your expertise, you help inspire other people and show them the way to follow you. That's so powerful. I like had chills hearing that story. And I think that shift in mindset, it's something I talk about a lot and um, just the power of that mindset from asking for more for you versus being in service to like all women coming after you. Like that is powerful and something that I could easily wrap my head around. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was having a conversation with, I was on a strategy call with this young, this young woman this week, and she's not charging nearly mm-hmm. enough. And she's like, I knew you were going to say that. I'm like, listen, not only are you completely undervaluing yourself, your worth, your offerings, your experience, you know, when I raise my press prices, nobody blinks, nobody cares. And in fact, my higher ticket offerings people actually book more because they value in their head, oh, this is expensive. This must be really great. But what I said to her, which relates to that is not only are you not valuing yourself, but you're undercutting the market. So the person next to you or the other young woman that's coaching, teaching, leading, like she's now competing Mm -hmm. with you 
And that's not fair to her that like you're charging that much. And I just like seeing the, there's like so much fun. I love, I live for that aha, like ding, that light bulb of like, oh, and it's amazing how quickly it can happen and how, how quickly that shift can take place. Like it doesn't need to take a lifetime. It can take reading your book or, you know, hearing this, this podcast. Yeah, it absolutely can. And I think what this shows, Krista, is part of what I get into in the book. You know, people think that the negotiation starts from the moment they sit down with the client and say, here's my price or here's the investment, but it doesn't. It starts at home with you. Negotiation is not just a back and forth over money. In fact, the first thing I do in my book is to take that whole concept and deconstruct it. Do you know that negotiation is just steering? This actually goes back to, I went to Hawaii on my honeymoon in 2006, and my husband and I get in this kayak, and this Hawaiian guide turns back to us and says, hey guys, please negotiate your kayaks to the left, we're headed for that beach. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, there is another way to think about this. It is not just the, you know, once a year or once a quarter, I get on the phone with you and I say, hey... I've got to raise my price by a thousand bucks. No, it's like being in a kayak and steering one paddle at a time. It's teaching people how to value you and how to think about you in every conversation you have. And so if somebody on the call here is, is thinking to themselves, well, I'm more reserved or I'm a mission-driven entrepreneur or you know, I really value relationships and trust, then congratulations, you're a great negotiator. Because if you can steer relationships and you can steer that internal relationship and stop shutting yourself down before you give anybody else the chance, because that's what we do, then you are going to go out. And it's not just about raising prices. It's about being able to serve more and serve better. Mm. I mean... I can't tell you how much that resonates with me. I think um, I want to talk more about, I have a lot of questions for you, but just to respond to that. Um, and I think my listeners too, like just the, the this idea of even getting on the phone and telling somebody our price, why is that so uncomfortable? I mean, I oftentimes let my, I have somebody who does like my operations for me and or my husband, who's my business partner. And when the, when it comes time to send a contract or a proposal, I let them send it one, because I, on, on, on one hand, I can justify that by saying, okay, I like to have really personal, like relationships with my clients. I don't want to talk about money with them. Like when we get on the phone, it's about strategy. It's about this. It's about that. And I like, don't want to dilute our relationship with like going back and forth. So I let somebody else, but that's total bullshit. I can like, as I'm saying it, it's mm -hmm. bullshit, and I can't even get through it because it's such bullshit. And so that's what I do to just avoid those conversations. And they always say yes. Right. <laughs> It's just, why are we so uncomfortable negotiating you know, for ourselves? Like, why? I, it's it's so interesting because, you know, I hear you talk about your work and you talk about the substance of your work with so much confidence. When you talk about strategy and the value you bring people, there's no equivocation. Like, you know that what you do is incredibly valuable. And I can tell that you love doing it. 
And so here's, here's how I see it. Okay. So I think part of the reason this is uncomfortable for people is number one, they're afraid of a no, even if you're used to getting yes. Right. And it sounds like for you, right. You know, you're, you're almost always getting a yes. Yeah. Um, which means maybe that you need to raise those prices again, <laughs> but we can I talk about that later. Like. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so that's number one. But, but also, right, it's like somehow, so you're afraid of getting a no, or we feel like it's not nice. Like you talked about how I like to have a really close personal relationship with your clients, okay? But, but that means you can't talk about money. So let me ask you a question, Krista. Do you ever help your clients like raise their prices and, and get more money? Uh, yeah. Yes, you do. So might there be a way in which like face-to-face you talking about the investment for your prices and doing it in a way that supports your relationship is actually showing them how they can do it for themselves? I mean, it, yes. When you say it like that, of course. And I think that's, it's like what you were saying about this knowing, like this deep knowing and being an advocate for other people. So literally the first thing I tell people to do usually is like, first of all, you need to raise your prices. Like that's what comes out of my mouth first. And, and I don't mind raising mine. Like, I, I think that you, you did hit it on the head. I know that the value that I provide and the, that and and I'm not even afraid of them saying no. Um, I just think that it's this thing that we've been programmed to be uncomfortable about. I mean, I know I'm going to get a yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's. I think it's just hard. It's hard saying like this is what you're going to need to pay me for this thing. And I can talk to to my clients until I'm blue in the face saying, oh, they're not paying you for your time. It's not about you. It's about the experience that you bring. It's about the transformation that you provide. La 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 la. And I fully believe that. What like you said, championing for other people, and then actually reflecting that back to your own self is always easier. So. I was telling my mentor before this, oh, you know, I'm putting a lot of my personal brand building courses. Um, I have somebody doing that for me because I spend all my time doing that for other people. So I don't actually have time to launch my own. So I hire somebody and just sort of talking about that. And even as I said it, it's like going back to what you were saying, it's so easy to advocate for our best friend, our sister, um, the woman next to us. Um, but having to stand up for ourselves feels selfish or feels wrong. And I think one reason why I was really attracted to you and I want to really get into this conversation of negotiating and how to do it is because I am known as like this person who can justify and negotiate anything. Even since I was little, like I wrote my parents a negotiate like a letter when I wanted a trampoline and it was like a persuasive essay. So that's the kind of person you're talking to like since a young girl. And I was not rewarded for that behavior. It was, I would get some people, oh, she's going to make an amazing lawyer or something like that sort of jokingly or offhandedly. Um, but it wasn't something that was rewarded not to blame my parents or my teachers or anybody, but I, I was seen and I'm still seen as somebody that's really outspoken, um, a little bit intense, sometimes too direct, righteous, right? All of these things. Um, when in reality, I see it as like, I can communicate really well. And, um, also 
like it's, it sort of goes back and forth. So I want to talk about negotiation and the power of it and reframe mm -hmm. this conversation for people, um, what it really means to negotiate. And I, then I want to talk about the questions, um, and asking questions and having a communicating with people in this way, when there's something on the table mm -hmm. that we're addressing or discussing or differing on, like how to, how to negotiate in a positive way. Good. Okay. So where should we start? And while you're looking at your notes, let me say that I think it's so cool that here on this podcast, you have worked out something that you were going through. Because I think that that really models for people that no matter where they are in their journey, even if you are already achieving a lot of success, you're, you're serving a lot of people, you've reached a lot of financial success, you can still run into this internal negotiation of, you know, am I too much? You know, am I somebody who advocates too much for myself? I'm too outspoken. You know, so I have to have this message come from somebody else because it's not nice. And I think we've already deconstructed that in the course of this conversation. And so you've really provided a service to your listeners. Yeah. And I think, you know, thank you for saying that. And I tend to always say to my listeners, you know, I, there isn't a moment where I, um, forget that other people are going to hear this conversation. This whole conversation is in service to them in fact. And so when I come in with that intention, it allows me to just have these experiences and it's always really timely. And it's like very therapeutic, the podcast and whoever comes on, whoever the day, the schedule, whatever worked out, we were meant to talk today. Mm -hmm. And it's always really cool. what comes out of the conversation. So, um, what really, sort of struck me about reading about you was this idea of questions, because when mm. I think of a negotiation, it's about um, like getting my side out, getting my, <laughs> my facts, my opinions, whatever. And you really focus on asking questions and can we unpack that? And can you share more about this? Yeah. So in fact, I think this is part of the reason that a lot of people who might be in your audience shy away from negotiation because they think it's all about being, you know, the loudest, you know, most aggressive person in the room or negotiation is about having all the right answers or it's, you know, who can be the biggest presence, you know, and a lot of times we equate that with the masculine too, that it's really guys who are the ones who should be negotiating or are going to be the best negotiators. And First of all, you don't have to be the biggest person in the room. I am 5'2 in sneakers, right? They don't even see me coming um, until I'm, I'm, I've passed them. But I, you know, there's actually tons of research to show, and I've now seen from more than a decade of practice, that the people who do the best in negotiation are not the ones who start with their arguments. They're the people who start with their questions. In fact, there was one really persuasive study that found they set hundreds of people up to negotiate, and they found that only 7% of people asked the questions they needed in order to get the most money out of their deals. And so really, if you're the type of person who felt intimidated by going in and leading with your arguments, you don't need to do that, and you shouldn't. Mm -hmm. You should go in instead and lead with your questions. What happens when you ask an open question to start a negotiation is you get much more information, you generate a lot of trust on the part of that other person, and you figure out what the target is that you need to hit to create your deal. And all of that you can do with just a couple of questions. Tell me more. 
Okay, well, that's the first one, right? So the truth is, <laughs> is that, it? yes, it is. Yes, it is. So <laughs> it's funny because I was talking to Wall Street Journal back in May when the book came out and they said, you know, where's the place that every negotiation should start, right? And I said, when you sit down with somebody else, you should be asking, tell me. This is the number one question to get the most information and generate the most trust. It's also incredibly persuasive if you're an entrepreneur. Let me give you an example. So I worked with a um, startup company during coronavirus that had, like many um, of your folks out there, perhaps they had a segment of their business just disappear in the pandemic. And so each one of their deals became even more important. And they got a call. This company produced like a wellness product. And they get a call from a potential retailer and they're super excited, but they're nervous. They had been in to see that retailer twice before. They had shown their pitch deck. They led with their arguments. They walked out thinking, we totally have this. High-fiving, they didn't get it. Mm. This time they walked in, we redesigned a strategy. They didn't show the pitch deck. They just sat down and said, tell us how you're seeing the sector. And the retailer kind of sat back for a second in surprise and then said, all right, so you probably want to know why you didn't get the deal. I'll tell you why you didn't get the deal. The way I was seeing the sector was I didn't think that my consumers here in the Midwest were ready for your premium product. Mm. Bingo. Krista, they didn't have to get to the pitch deck. All they did was they walked in, they said, tell me, and they allowed there to be some silence. And that was enough for the distributor to open up, share what the roadblock was to the deal, and they were able to show that data, and they landed a six-figure deal in the midst of coronavirus. Mm -hmm. I have trained now so many entrepreneurs and companies on leading with tell me. It really opens people up. You know, Krista, it's, um, and you know this being an interviewer, but it's a question that really gives you not just that, you know, the most information, but it really reads like you want to hear from the other person. Mm. You know, it, it's not just a transactional question. It really allows them to tell you, you know, what they're feeling and going through in a way that's going to allow you to serve them better. Imagine, Krista, that during coronavirus, I kept calling people up and saying, hey, Krista, would you like to hear about my negotiation webinars? This is what a lot of people do. And what is that question? It's a yes or no question. And the easiest answer for you to give me is no, no, right? <laughs> Imagine instead that I called you up and I said, Krista, tell me what you need most from your business this coming year. Tell me the biggest challenges you're facing. Tell me where, you know, if we were to do a training together and we fast forwarded a year into the future, what would success look like for you? Those are the types of questions that open somebody up to me and allow me the opportunity to serve them. Because here's the thing, it's never sales, it's service. And when I focus on truly getting to know somebody and serving them, they don't just see me as Alex, the person that I'm signing a deal with. They see me as their partner in their long-term success. And that's when you're going to produce both the most revenue, but also really the most satisfaction over the long haul. You're really good at this. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. 
like, this is awesome. It's not sales at service. You're going to see that from me. I'm telling you right now, I'm fully stealing it, but I'll quote you. I'm going to make an Instagram graphic and post that when I'm promoting my sales masterclass in January, because that is like, I totally agree. And, and I think that you have such, you're, you're one of those people that I'm so grateful for because you're a bridge. Um, and I love having people like you on this podcast because you can talk to both worlds and we live in, I mean, clearly we've seen this week, um, there's a divide. And I find this in the business world that there's a divide. And I am definitely, I'm, I am a bridge, but I'm definitely more on this spiritual, a little new agey, woo woo, not taken super seriously in corporate world, small business, you know, solopreneur, creator, artist. And then there's like the CEOs, the executives, the, um, the women too, and that I have a client who's transitioning out of that and I'm building her brand. So it's like, there's this divide between like the entrepreneur, solopreneur, sort of, um, small business, um, female. I mean, really, because I'm not taken as seriously, even though my business is probably making more, I'm making more than that person. It it doesn't matter. And then there's the business people. And I had somebody on here talking about marketing to Jay, and he's such a bridge. And I feel that you're such a bridge in the way that you speak. You can get the other side to listen. And I feel like when it comes to negotiating, I mean, we're just speaking two different languages so often. And especially, I mean, especially in our country, but I also find like trying to speak with big business owners versus, um, you know, small entrepreneur women in business at home. Um, we're speaking different languages and like, how can we have the same conversation? And I just want to applaud that. Um, it's, I'm just grateful that there are people like you that, are doing both because I'm sure you're coming on my podcast, but you're also going on like a lot of different podcasts that have totally different audiences and you're able to resonate, to resonate with both. And I think that it's so interesting that tell me, because it's something I say a lot, like tell me more or someone's like, Oh, I, this happened. Like, tell me, tell me everything. Mm -hmm. And I say that a lot. Tell me everything. And usually I actually start my podcast with that question is what's going on in your world. Tell me everything. And then that it just opens up the conversation. And I think um, it's just such a beautiful reminder that that is a really powerful tool because for most people, it comes naturally like with their friends to say, tell Mm -hmm. me, but then when it comes to business or asking or standing up for yourself, we forget these, these tools that are just like human tools, Um, how to have a real connection, how to be in service and build relationships. So I just think that that's so cool. And I want to talk more about, there's a lot of this like shy girl complex. And my, my sister talks about this a lot. And what we were just talking about with me is being too big, too loud, um, not being sort of seen as a positive, my ability to negotiate, but actually sort of a a way to make fun of me. Mm -hmm. And um, my sister, we were raised exactly the same in the same family. And she's super introverted. And having to speak up and be the loudest in the room is really difficult for her. So I think hearing this tactic and this approach 
is so valuable for those people that are usually a lot smarter and have a lot more insight, but they just can't get a word in edgewise is actually like a powerful tool. Yeah, it for sure is. And I, you know, for those of you out there who are introverts, you know, like your sister, Krista, I just, introversion can be a superpower. I find that introverts often are really great listeners. They're able to get into a room with somebody and truly hear what is going on. They hear every last one of those little words that, you know, give us clues as to what the other person is thinking of what their needs are, you know, what their pressure points are. And that can be incredibly powerful. The other thing I want to say about this is introverts, let's use one of your skills to your advantage. So as an extrovert, you know, I'm somebody who thinks by talking, Krista, right? So maybe you're the same way. So we kind of start talking and by the end of the sentence, we know where we've gone because we just got there. Okay. So one of the challenges that we can have in negotiation is silence. So one of the tips I give and ask for more is three words. I tell people to land the plane. In other words, ask your great question and then shut up, right? Close it. Don't wreck your question by asking more words. You know, can you imagine, Krista, you're, you're laughing, right? Because you could see how we do this. You say, Alex, you know, tell me what you need to get this done. And then you can't land the plane. So you say, would $10,000 do it? You know, I really think that you're going to, no, right? Ask your question and then zip it. You know, you just said, would $10,000 do it? You don't know. Maybe the answer for me would have been five and you overpaid. Or maybe I would have said something else entirely. So, you know, I was once teaching a mom. So I have a friend who's a stay-at-home mom. And she said, Alex, I'm such an introvert. I'm out of the workforce. I can't negotiate. And I said, oh, yes, you can. So I told her about just staying silent. So last year, she called the director of a camp where she was volunteering for the summer so that her kids would get free camp tuition. Their cousin was visiting for a week and she really wanted the cousin to go for free too. So she called the camp director and said, hey, so I've been working here a long time and the kid's cousin is visiting for the week and my kids get free tuition. What do you think? And then she allowed there to be silence. The guy said, yeah, sure. Um, you know, yeah, I think we could do 50% off. She just stayed silent. She didn't say anything. And he was like, well, maybe I could take 75% off. Still silent. And then the guy goes, you know what? You've been working here a long time. Let the kid go for free. All she did was remain silent. Mm -hmm. And so I do think that when you can allow there to be silence, here's what you do. You encourage the other person to talk because silence allows people to really sit with a great question and then think about what they want to share with you. But also you keep yourself from bidding against yourself, right. you know, and, and so often that fear of no really shows up in that we just talk too much in the room when we could allow there to be silence. I just think it's so cool that like the biggest advice from a negotiation expert is to be quiet. Mm -hmm. And I, I know that, you know, oftentimes in business, you always want to let, or in like a, um, you always want to let the other person throw out a number first. So I definitely see the value in 
in that side of it. But I think that like what you're speaking to is just so much bigger and we're just so uncomfortable with silence and we want to fill the silence and we want to prove our worth and prove our value yes. instead of just owning it and being quiet. And I think that that's just really good advice for me as an extrovert and for the introverts. Like I always, as an extrovert am drawn to the quiet person in the room. Mm -hmm. Um, my husband, it, it, sometimes it embarrasses me at dinner, how little he speaks, um, because it's so uncomfortable that I feel like I need to fill the silence. But then if I just shut up, he always ends up coming out with some really beautiful, brilliant thing. So like also giving space for the yeah. introverts is something that as somebody that's pretty much surrounded by introverts, um, to just stop filling the space, but just on a business level, I think we forget that it's like, what you're reminding me are these really natural human things about connecting, being in service, being silent, how we communicate with one another, how powerful it is to actually take those tools into, into a business setting, into a professional setting. Um, yeah, it's just very, very cool. Um, and the land, the plane thing, my, my listeners are just going to die at that because I have this huge fear of flying. So I might actually uh, call this episode land the plane because um, it just resonates on so many levels. And I think that is really cool about this book and what you're saying. You're such a great example of like sell them what they want and then give them what they need because people think they want um, these like to make more money or negotiation tactics or, or whatever. And that's why maybe they'll come pick up your book and why they'll say yes to an interview. But then what they get is this like deep life advice <laughs> and how to like show up and like own who you are. And nobody's like Googling, like, how do I like own who I am? They're Googling, how do I, you know, get more money? So it's, it's no wonder that this is so successful and, and so powerful for people. So yeah, I'm just so grateful to have connected with you today. And I feel like we could talk about this for so long. Um, and there's just so many good nuggets in here. And what's cool is all the bullet points I had to touch on. You just naturally went there um, because I was quieter than usual. So I also have learned that as an interviewer. Um, to ask the question and just let them answer. And my mom, my mom used to say at the beginning of the podcast, like, don't cut people off. She always says, don't cut people off. Let them finish, let them finish. And there's, you know, two parts to that in being a podcaster is one, you want to like reel it in and keep the conversation flowing. And two, um, sometimes you just want to hear yourself talk. And that's something that I needed to sit with and be like, no, this is about every episode is in service to my clients, my customers, and my guests. So the purpose here was to showcase your gifts, your light, your talent. That is actually is my why. And my gift is to remind mm -hmm. other people of theirs. And that's why this podcast is so successful and does so well. And I think asking that question and just being quiet, my mom now is like, wow, you didn't cut them off. At all. That's always her, like her feedback for me is you just asked really good questions. And you didn't say anything. And so I am learning this. And I think for me, you dropped in at such a beautiful time and it was such a good reminder. And, and my last question for you is obviously the call to action is to order the book um, and read it and share it and tag you and obviously get it out there in a huge way because right now this is all we have. We have no book tours. Um, 
But if you have any other, like your last sort of prayer or your sort of hope or wish for somebody that does read your book or finds you or picks up your work, like what is the one thing that you want people to walk away with from this podcast, from your book, your prayer for your audience? Yeah, I want people to know that negotiation is for everyone, truly. I think one of the major reasons I entered this field, and I want you to know, Krista, that it was a leap of vulnerability for me to write a book proposal and try to sell a book in the first place. My field, you know, the popular negotiation literature is really dominated by guys and guys who are much older than I am. And I had that moment, you know, where I thought, are people going to buy a book from a woman, like a woman, a person who looks like me? Wow. And in the end, like I said, I, I leaned back into what I teach and I thought, no, you know, my mission is to show people especially people who feel like they've been left out of the conversation, you know, that negotiation is just for white guys in suits who go to corporate jobs. I want you to know that that is not the case. If you are, you know, a mission-driven entrepreneur, if you are just starting out, if you didn't grow up in a family with generational wealth who were teaching you negotiation or stock tips at the kitchen table, you still can learn to be a great negotiator and feel confident doing it. And I want you to know that nobody in your life benefits when you play small. When you deny your needs, your clients don't get the fullest person, you know, the fullest version of you. When you deny your needs at home, likewise, your partner or your kids, they don't get to know who you really are and have the opportunity to be close with you. So, Anytime I talk to people, if we're on a podcast or you're my students at Columbia and I have you for two years, I tell you that now I consider you my colleague, right? So people who are listening to this, you know, congrats, whether you wanted it or not, we are now colleagues. And so I insist that you stay in touch. I want to hear about all the stuff that you go on to achieve and the things you're struggling with, then you can connect with me at my website, which is alexcarterasks.com. I'm actually releasing some digital courses in January, as well as a free challenge for people who can't afford the course, so that no matter where you are in your business journey, you can get tips that are going to help you this year, not just financially, but I want to help you achieve whatever it is that's out there for you. And I'm also on uh, Instagram and LinkedIn. And so I'd welcome the opportunity to connect and stay in touch. Awesome. We'll definitely share all those links in the show notes for everyone listening. And I'd love you to keep me posted about your uh, course. That's my specialty is helping people launch their online offers. And I would love to help you promote that just, um, you know, to my audience and to people listening, we can, we can talk and catch up about that because I really, really resonate with the work you're doing. And if people have like read your book and taken your course before they come to me, mm -hmm. <laughs> that would just be the best prerequisite ever. Um, I'm so about this and I'm so glad that, that you are making yourself accessible in that way. As you were talking, I was like, man, the only way to learn from her would have, I would have to like go to Columbia Law no. and no. And so I, and then you sort of just answered that. So 
this was really great. Um, you said a lot of things that were just on the tip of my tongue and really uh, intuited a lot. So it was a really cool, a really cool conversation. And I think I'm going to bump this up um, in the order because it just feels very timely um, mm-hmm. to be having this conversation and sharing you um, with my listeners. So thank you for being here. Thank you for your time. Um, and to everybody listening, uh, I'm sure you got a lot out of this because we always are so in sync. And so this is for, this is for everyone, um, today and yeah. So wherever you are, um, this is a crazy time guys. Keep me posted. Let me know how you're doing. And until next time, keep growing. Keep growing.